start now. And um, my name is Bao Tran, and I'm a student project manager at the Clark Forum for Contemporary Issues. Today, I'm with Dr. Kira Sanbuanmasu, who is a professor of political science at Rutgers University and senior scholar at Center for American Women and Politics at the Eagleton Institute of Politics. She will an be answering questions following her virtual program last night, the representation of women in the U.S. Congress. Professor Kirsten Bonmatsu, thank you so much for joining us today. So, Professor Sanborn Matsu, your research interest revolves around gender, race, ethnicity, parties, public opinion, and state politics. What sparked your curiosity in these areas? Thank you for having me. It's great to be uh, on this podcast with you. And uh, mm -hmm. thanks for your help last night at the uh, public session. I think that when I was an undergraduate, the way I remember how I got started in this area is mm -hmm. being introduced to feminist theory. I was a political science major, but I was interested in foreign policy and international relations. It was during the Cold War. And a feminist theory class or, or feminist theory reading by legal scholar Catherine McKinnon really piqued my interest in how polities and democracies in particular wrestle with women's underrepresentation and policies important to women. So I, I got very interested in what it means, what representation means, and how women can be heard in public policy when there weren't very many women in government. And I'm also Japanese American, and so I've always been interested in racial issues. So that is something that I also have brought to my scholarship. Yes. And um, as you have spent years studying representation, women in positions of power and somewhat like racial issues, like what does leadership mean to you? Well, at the Center for American Women in Politics, where I'm a senior scholar, we do focus on numbers, as I spoke about in the talk. So, so leaders, leaders are, in my mind, women in public life. Uh, that's one way to think about leaders. But leadership uh, is arguably a bit different. And it does mean, I think, a role that could be unconnected to a formal political mm -hmm. position. In the area of gender and race, I think leadership often means um, taking a stand and speaking out for people who haven't had a voice and taking tough positions and entering spaces where people from your group haven't been and countering a lot of tropes and stereotypes that have affected your identity. So I think that you know we could think about leadership in a lot of different ways, but I think we could conceptualize leadership in terms of both formal positions, but also you know someone who is uh, influential and, and speaking out. Yeah, and um, is there any particular woman in power, like recently or historically, that inspired your style of leadership or like fit your ideal of leadership? I have to say that when I first started reading research about women in public office, this was back when I was in graduate school and I studied mm -hmm. political science um, to get my PhD. I didn't. I when I first started reading 
research about women elected officials, I don't think I fully appreciated their significance. And you may find that surprising because I've spent my career studying women in elections and I just gave a lecture on women in Congress, but I didn't fully appreciate what it means to have women in office and what it means to be a minority. And I've come to appreciate over the years that it is meaningful and that it is hard. And the more I interact with uh, women in leadership positions, just generally, and candidates, I have a fuller appreciation for what they have overcome and, and what they mean to all of us as a country to have a fuller perspective and more views being brought to the table. That was very noble of you. And um, I'm curious, like, if, like did, did you realize, like, was there any, like, a changing point you know, for you, like, come, coming from, like, not appreciating women in power enough to, like, fully appreciating them? I guess that when I first started my career in political science, I was interested in party politics, social movements. I was interested in uh, the Democratic and Republican Party positions on women's rights. And I was really thinking about national politics and I wasn't thinking about, and I wasn't studying women per se as candidates and office holders. And then I think it was when I, my mm -hmm. research moved into that area and I started mm -hmm. conducting interviews. I did a book on women's election to state legislatures. And so I traveled to yeah. some different states. And I think it was um, the in the process of interviewing women and also being at the center and having opportunities for women who come to our events and work with us, that I gained that further appreciation. Well, thank you. Um, with respect to you interviewing women, your co-authored book, A Seat at the Table, Congress Women's Perspectives on Why Their Presence Matter with Susan G. Carroll and Kelly Dittmark, true on interviews of women serving in the 114th Congress. What story or perspective on representation of women in Congress? stood out to you the most? I, it would be hard to pick one because I, we learned so much from those interviews. But one, one point I'll mention here that surprised me is mm -hmm. that we asked a question in our interview protocol about challenges and opportunities that women face. And a lot of the research particularly at that time we were doing the interviews, was very positive about women's experiences as candidates. And a lot of research arguing that it's a level playing field for women and that stereotypes have been overcome. Mm -hmm. And so it surprised us a bit because these interviews were with women in Congress who've been successful, that women did talk about barriers running and um, because that was a disconnect with a lot of the research, but they did talk about many of them challenges that they faced on the campaign trail and that it, so that it is still difficult. They still run into bias. They don't always have the financial support for their campaigns. And so that stood out to us as something that was a little unexpected. We didn't really expect to hear about the campaign trail. We thought we were mostly going to hear about life within the institution. Yeah. And um, as like these women mentioned, a lot of challenges to running to office to you and um in 2021, like what barriers remain for women running for office and serving as elected official? 
one of the challenges remains that financial challenge, mm-hmm. having the resources to put your campaign together, to get your message out. Women, and particularly women of color, aren't in the same high level jobs compared with men and white men in particular. So they don't have the same personal financial resources. Mm -hmm. Women of color are often representing communities that are more low income. And so their constituents don't necessarily have high dollars to be giving to politics. And women aren't always in the occupations that connect to financial networks. And women's organizations have helped overcome some of these barriers and uh, donor networks where women who do have the resources have stepped up to help women run and have made a difference. But I think that that's one of the challenges. I think President Trump, when he was, uh, Donald Trump was president, set us back quite a ways in terms of the role of women. His attacks on Hillary Clinton in the 2016 campaign is not looking presidential. Um, The accusations of assault that he faced and didn't seem to be damaged by, I think that a lot of his rhetoric and actions as a candidate and as president made it permissible to be derogatory towards women candidates. And I think that this has made it harder today for women to run. Yeah, and in what ways do you think that like these challenges can be effectively addressed to pave the way for more aspiring women to run for leadership positions in the future? Continuing to build those financial networks and support networks for women candidates, mm-hmm. women could also be tapped to run for more types of offices. Yeah. One of the statistics that's low is there are only eight out of 50 women serving as governors today. Why is that? Um, Why, when we could have a woman vice president and a speaker of the house, why has it been so difficult? And I think it's uh, changing people's views about who can be governor um, and that a black woman could be governor and do a great job. Uh, That a uh, Latina woman maybe who's in a state without a large Latina population could do be a leader and have talent so that we can try to disrupt some public expectations about who can lead and recognize that we have a really talented population and we should be tapping all that talent for office and um, calling out sexism when we see it, that it's not acceptable to harass and belittle women on the basis of gender or at the intersections of gender and race. And so I think it's a cultural shift that needs to occur as well. Yeah, and um, this next question, like, will kind of, like, tie, like, the answer that, like, you just, the answer that you just gave me, and then, like, from your research as well, from interviewing women in Congress, and how can women in position of power currently create more opportunities for aspiring women to have a seat at the table, and how does mentorship play a role in creating more opportunities? Those are so, those important relationships are so important. I'm glad you, you're asking about this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the women we interviewed in Congress, in the 114th Congress, feel strongly that they want to bring other women along. And they do that. They do that by mentoring other women who are thinking about running. They yeah. take time out in addition to everything else they're doing for those phone calls and conversations. And they recognize talent that sometimes gets overlooked in male-dominated networks. So I think that 
the outreach that women in office do to look out for, mentor, bring other women along is really important. Some of these women have even started their own organizations and political action committees to get women the resources that they need. And I think that those efforts have made a difference. It also makes a difference in terms of having women in leadership roles in their different states, in the legislatures, in Congress, because the parties and uh, legislative leadership, you know, they do recruit. They look out as, as uh, legislators, they look for candidates. And so it's important to have women leading that process and helping find those candidates. And that's a role that women public officials play. I think this is one of the reasons why we see so many more Democratic women than Republican women in office. There are more Democratic women doing the recruitment because there's more Democratic women in leadership. Yeah, and um, yeah, as you mentioned, like there's a wide gap between like Democratic women and Republican women in Congress, and um, recruitment is one of the reasons. And is there any other reason that accounts for this difference? Across part, the partisan line. Yeah, part of it is related to the ideology of the parties. Mm -hmm. The Democratic Party is very committed to group representation and interested in equality. And that includes the demographics of candidates. That doesn't seem to be part of the mission of the Republican Party, which has been much more focused on individuals and less uh, concerned about group representation per se. So that is, I think, an ideological difference, which creates more momentum on the Democratic side for finding ways to tap into women's leadership qua women. And then there's also a gender gap with voters. And we do know that women hew more Democratic than Republican. So there's um, there's that as well. Yeah. And um, what can we do to close this ideological gap? and addressing like the um, voters issue? Well, there's a lot of gender consciousness on the Republican side. So women, uh, as I've already mentioned, Republican mm -hmm. women uh, included, women in office want to see more women succeed. So there is definitely interest among Republican women in seeing women succeed. And I think it's not helpful when uh, other members of their party, men in their party are not supportive or attack women or uh, exhibit misogyny. So I think there's a, uh, and, and those sexist attacks, you know, we can see problems, gender, gender problems on both sides of the aisle and uh, hostility towards women, you know, can, can crop up anywhere. But I think particularly uh, in the Trump era that we just have come through, there are climate issues that I think could be improved on the Republican side, which which would make it more welcoming for women to exercise leadership. Yeah, well, thanks for answering that. And um, you mentioned misogyny while answering the last question, and I know that like misogyny was one of the reasons why like there was like an increased representation of women and women of color in the. 116 and 117 Congress because women are more motivated to run due to their frustrations of the men in power who hold, despite allegations of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. 
And is there any other factors that contribute to the increased representation of women in the 116th and 117th Congress? Well, we have to remember in 2018, it was a democratic wave. So there was definitely a, some people would call it a pink wave, but other people would call it a blue wave, democratic wave. And so there were a lot of retirements. We saw a lot of Republicans retire from the House that created open seats. Uh, generally, when we see gains for women's office holding, they come about through open seats without incumbents. Most, you know, historically, most incumbents have been men. And so incumbents get returned at a high rate, typically. And so part of the slow progress of women in Congress is about incumbency and not, and not gender per se. And so a year like 2018, one of the factors was open seats and the fact that it was a democratic wave. Now, women helped drive that, but, you know, we also know that women are more democratic than men. So it was a confluence of factors, but it did take the women stepping up to run uh, to be successful. Well, and um, despite the statistics, the United States still has a slightly lower number of women in its Congress as of 2020 than other countries did on average as of 2018. Why do you think that is the case? Part of the difference between the United States and other countries stems from our electoral rules. So we have winner-take-all districts, and I think it's been easier for women to press for women candidates on a party list in a proportional representation system when there's only uh, one candidate per, or one office holder per district, it's harder to achieve balance in, in Congress. I think gender balance as a concept. Mm -hmm. But I think that when you break out how women are doing in both parties, it's part of the reason the United States isn't doing better is that Republican women aren't doing better in their party. So I think we need to think about ways to reconcile that. And um, what way do you think that like we can reconcile that? Like, I think it takes, it's going to take more self-conscious recruitment support, mm -hmm. clearing the field for a talented Republican woman in the primary took those kinds of uh, efforts for women to gain seats this time as Republican women in the House. And I think that it would take, it will take more of those efforts going forward to improve their numbers. Well, thanks a lot, Professor, for spending some time with us and for your insightful responses. For our listeners, Professor Sanbon Matsu's entire public presentation can be found on our forum YouTube channel. And Professor, like, can you tell the, audi the audience members a little bit, like, how can they find your co-authored book, A Seat at the Table, Compress Women's Perspectives on Why the Presence Matters? Yeah, if, if you're looking for a copy of the book, it was published with Oxford University Press in 2018. So it's, it's available on Amazon available uh, digitally. And I also would encourage you, your listeners to visit the Center for American Women in Politics. It's our URL is cawp.rutgers.edu. And we have some material related to the book there. We have public reports on various topics and lots of facts about women's office holding and candidacies. Yeah. 
thank you professor i think that this is the end you know yeah and thank it you. will be uh, yeah thank you and have a good day yeah thank you for having me yeah thank you for coming